This episode is brought to you by Birthsong Botanicals, whose Let There Be Milk Herbal Breastfeeding Supplements help women to increase their breast milk supply. Head on over to birthsongbotanicals.com and check out Let There Be Milk. Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting and Politics listeners get a special 10% discount at checkout when they use the promo code Common Sense. That's two words, lowercase. Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that. Yeah, we talk a lot about pregnancy because that's where this big conversation generally starts. You know, the big conversation, the one about how to grow, have, and raise a baby in this rather mixed up world of ours. It's a conversation that's going on in every corner of the globe by parents of every shape and size, every class and culture, every race, every religion, everybody's talking about the same darn thing. How do we grow, have, and raise babies in this rather mixed up world? And here on the podcast, we talk a lot about how to do that without being scared that something's wrong with you or your kid all the time. We also talk about current events and politics because they're all connected. We aren't having and raising our babies in silos. Nope. We're here in the real world where things are complicated and messy and where everything overlaps. Now, a lot of my listeners are here in America where mothers get, you know, we have a lot of resources here in America, a lot of creativity, a lot of, a lot of resources. But this is also a place where mothers and parents get a lot less social and cultural and political and governmental support to do this big job than in many and most countries. We talk a lot about feminism on this podcast because for a lot of women, they just don't get it until they become mothers. That's when they realize that it's relevant, that their health care is all slanted towards the baby, that working parent parenthood is going to be a real big challenge, and that they're not necessarily going to be able to afford things like childcare, maternity leave, and top-notch health care. So we talk about that and we talk about solutions. I also really like talking to women and parents from, you know, very different walks of life because ultimately, no matter who you are, where you work or live, once you have a baby, we're all in it together. It's March. Wow. It's spring this month. I'm so grateful. March is a big month because it hosts Women's History Month and International Day of the Women. Both, um, you know, both events, Women's History Month and International Day of the Women, which is March 8th, this coming Friday, uh, both are intended to raise awareness that women are doing amazing things in the world and always have. We've always made incredible contributions to society and the economy and the community and the world at large, but we've rarely gotten the credit we deserve. That's what these kinds of you know, designated days and months are about. <clears throat> it's about giving credit where it's deserved. Now, some of you will point out that if we have to designate a day or a month in order to focus on women's history or African-American history or the history of some other marginalized group, then we're kind of highlighting the fact that men's history or white American history have dibs on the other 11 months, right? Right. 
in a world where men and women are equal, where all races are equal, where all genders are equal, we wouldn't be honoring and singling out just one group. It wouldn't be necessary. But we don't live in that world, do we? Not yet. So maybe the best we can do right now is to really take advantage of months like March to raise awareness about our accomplishments and goals and challenges and achievements. Who knows? Maybe it'll spill over into the other months and eventually people will think it's weird that we had these celebrations in the first place. I guess that's sort of the goal ultimately. Now, since International the International Day of the Women comes up this Friday, March 8th, I like to highlight, you know, particular organizations that are doing really great work for women and mothers around the world. I think it should be celebrated here in the US like it is in many, many, many other countries. A lot like Mother's Day with gifts and brunch and special attention, things I personally love a whole lot. Um, here in the U.S., it's sort of an organization holiday. It's something where organizations that are working in this arena um, take advantage of social media and they have special campaigns and they you know, encourage people to go to their website and to make donations. Um, now, y'all know how much I love CARE International and Every Mother Counts, two humanitarian organizations that work with women and mothers. But this year, I'm going to do a little, I'm doing a little work with an organization that's newer to me, Promuher. Now, Promuher was founded back in 1990 in Bolivia by two visionary leaders, Lynn Patterson and Carmen Velasco, who believed that given the right opportunities, Women can become powerful agents of change, right? Duh. Yeah, we know that. Just give us the right chances. From a pioneering experiment in micro-lending, ProMujer has become one of Latin America's leading women's development organizations. So I wanted to talk with ProMujer CEO, Maria Cavalcante, because right now it seems like we're hearing and seeing a lot about um, women in and from Latin America and the ways they're taken the world by the reins and steer it in the right direction. So that's what we're going to talk about this week, right after a quick break. Birth Song Botanicals, Let There Be Milk, Herbal Breastfeeding Supplements come in capsule and tincture form to help support your body to make more breast milk. Lactation herbs like organic marshmallow root, fenugreek seed, goat's root herb, Red raspberry leaf and blessed thistle herb are well known to increase breast milk supply quickly and safely. These are some of the same herbs our great-great-grandmothers used to increase their milk supply back when most babies were breastfeed, be, breastfed because there weren't very many other options. Head on over to birthsongbotanicals.com and check out Let There Be Milk. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics customers get a special 10% discount at checkout when they use the promo code Common Sense. Thanks, everybody. We're back and we're ready to get this week's guest on the line. Maria Cavalcante is president and CEO of Pro Mujer. And she joined Pro Mujer in 2016 and brought with her over 25 years of professional experience in advancing women and working with a wide range of business and nonprofit organizations across Latin America, the United States, Western Europe, and India. Let's call her up. Hi, Maria. It's Jeannie. How are you? Thank you, Jeannie, to have me on your podcast. I'm doing fantastic. Well, good, good. Where are you, Maria? Right where, now. Where in the country are you? Yeah. <laughs> we're in the world, actually. Uh, I am back from a five-day 
from five-week travel around the world, and I'm back in New York, New York City, and it's lovely. Is it? Is it home? Is New York home for you? New York is home for me. It's been home for the last 34 years, but I feel very much a citizen of the world. I'm, I feel like I belong to, to humanity rather than just one country or boundaries. So. Mm. I have a daughter in New York, and I've done a lot of work in my career in New York, and so it's it's got my heart. That city's got my heart. I yeah. think one thing about New York is um, is that it's a city that you can get off the bus and call yourself a New Yorker, and nobody is going to question that. And I think that in this very specific time of our lives, where everywhere else in the world uh, people are made uncomfortable about belonging. More than ever, yeah. New York becomes a place for tolerance. And uh, so I appreciate that and um, and hope that more cities see now it. I, that now, I, now I love New York even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Well, Maria, right before I got you on the line, I read your incredibly awesome bio. I'm really impressed by it. But I always ask the very first very hard question. Who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm someone who's very fortunate to be working in in a place and in a moment that um, talks to my heart. So I am the CEO of an organization called Promujer. We are a social enterprise dedicated to empower underserved women uh, in Latin America. And by a social enterprise, I mean that we are a hybrid organization that has both a for-profit and a non-profit set of arms. It's a complex group of organizations, but Mm -hmm. that is focused very much on the results. And the results are how do we support women throughout Latin America uh, in a way that they feel empowered and that they can then contribute to society to their families and change an entire region. Uh, The vision of the organization is uh, Latin American where women can thrive. And it's because that underlines that the region will thrive if everyone thrives. Yeah, so so true. So when you are not world traveling (laughs) and working for Promuher, what's your life like? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I do the Saturday New York Times cross um, uh, puzzles and I love puzzles and especially in particularly I, I love the New York Times um, <laughs> crosswords. <laughs> I also do a lot of um, drawing uh-huh. and I read. I will read anywhere from two, three books a week, you know, regardless how much I, uh, I travel. I do... I, I am back on meditating on a daily basis, which helps me a lot. And I'm very curious. Uh, unfortunately, not as much as a physical curiosity. So I don't do so, as much exercise as I do as reading and get to know new things and learn new languages, even though I'm well past my 50s. Well, we've got a lot in common. One thing that came up, came to mind is that um, this last Christmas, my 19-year-old daughter was asking me the inevitable question, what should I get for dad? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, he, what, what do you ever get for your dad? You know? Right. So I told him what he really, really wants is a book of New York Times crossword puzzles. And she scoffed. No, that's a boring gift. He's not going to like that. Well, she didn't come up with anything else. And at the last minute, she bought it. And he does those puzzles every single day. Oh, they're, 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 yeah, they're yeah. addictive. But also, yeah. I think that it's... um there's it hits you from so many sides of the world and sometimes i will stop if i don't know a word or i don't know a concept i will stop and i will then do a whole research on something that is completely new for me so that's the thing that i love and i was very proud uh of graduating from the monday tuesday ones into the friday saturdays ones so you're good you're good yeah yeah uh, you're good yeah I'm a daily meditator too. Mm. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't live without it. Couldn't live without it. Yeah. It it has helped well, me just kind of center, but also just there's so many things that are crossing my mind on a constant base that sometimes I just need to empty it a little bit or walk myself out of the traffic jam and look the traffic jam from a from the mountain and see if I can in any way contribute to it or not. And that's uh, what it has helped me with, um, with all the things that I have to work on. Yeah, me too. That's, that's one of the primary benefits that I get from it. I also feel like um, if I'm able to really, <clears throat> you know, tap into the core source that, you know, you can sometimes hit with meditation, well, then I tell you what, the whole rest of my day just goes a whole lot easier. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm writing right. something, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just easier. It, everything's better. Yeah. Put in yeah. perspective. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm really curious. I'd like to know a little bit more about how you found your way into this particular career, mm-hmm. working with women throughout Latin America. So um, in a very zigzaggy type of way, I come from a very, um, from a very, a very uh, background I started my career in linguistics and uh, from a whole perspective on how language and uh, what you communicate and how you communicate can benefit or not by uh, being in alignment and uh, understanding how, how grammar, voice, language, narratives are part of, of human uh, relationships. So that was my first interest. It was my first love. From there, I moved on into uh, literature, and uh, at one point, I spoke quite a bit of language, so about anywhere from eight to ten different languages, and I was able to then do a lot of comparative literature analysis. Un, un, let's say, you, you can speak eight to ten Not anymore. Languages? Right now, it's about four or five, but I am... There are full oh languages God. that I was fluent before, and I have not been exercising them, and they're faded in, uh, in the back of my mind. But uh, from there, I moved on into looking at a whole other perspective. Uh, I was in the I was in Stony Brook, so university outside uh, New York City, two hours from New York City, and doing a master's degree in, um, believe it or not, medieval literature. Uh, especially mm-hmm. specifically in medieval Spanish literature. And um, at the same time, I had quite a bit of um, hobbies. And one of my hobbies, and I had photography, I did drawings, and I was also a binder. And um, 
in a conversation that happened in a very roundabout way. Um, I had all a whole set of portfolio products with me and um, halfway through, I didn't realize, but I was talking to the coordinator of a, um, a master program at Columbia University for conservation and preservation of rare objects. And uh, mm. I was offered this a scholarship and I stipend to do a master's degree. It's actually a dual program, a dual, uh, two degrees in one uh, for the preservation of um, museum objects. And I decided to do it in rare books. So moved away from a more, I would say, uh, theoretical and, uh, and and focus on, on human interaction perspective when you were doing linguistics and literature into a much more uh, appreciative of, uh, of how objects are put together and how there's a lot of organic chemistry and how objects were put together and how uh, human beings had their own histories through the objects that they created. And that led me to work in very incredible materials. I worked in the very first book ever printed in the Americas. I worked in three sets of the Gutenberg Bible. I worked in <clears throat> flat paper materials, you know, uh, artwork from Picasso, uh, you name it. Uh, actually worked for the first time uh, on the... Uh, on the very t- first time that uh, the uh, uh, the 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 Library of Congress books were uh, showed to the public that were part of the Jefferson collection that had never been shown. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of in- interesting parts yeah. of being in the midst of history, and that was something new for me in terms of looking into how we interact with life through objects. Um, from At the same time, I felt that uh, even though I love the artwork and I love the, the whole, the history behind and the, and the, 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 a lot of the more rigorous um, craft and art that has in putting together books and paintings and uh, and all types of objects. I felt that it was also important for me to have something very pragmatic. So I did a uh, degree in computer uh, in computer science on the side. And at one point, mm-hmm. when I was faced with the fact that I needed <laughs> to now raise my son and buy a small house, I moved into the computer world and started working for Dell Computers when they very first started their operations in Austin, Texas. And I moved on into this space of working with the art side or maybe using my left and my right brain or the, same, or the brain uh, side of the brain all the time uh, without any fear of uh, going into a new field and not having someone telling me, like, because you graduated on one thing, that's what you needed to do. Um, that helped me to get into business. I moved in into business. I went. I moved into uh, finance and in um, private equity. And at some point, fell in love with the concept of um, impact investing, which is the idea that you, as business, uh, as a business person, have an impact on bringing back not only the financial return of the investment that you're making, but also bringing, bringing about change, positive change on society and um, on the environment. And 
for me, uh, my, 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 you know, at some point I got an MBA, but my life, my professional life brought me all over the world. And I saw all kinds of different industries, but always was always very um, concerned about that very first piece that brought me into the professional life, which is like, how do people interact? How do people help each other? How do they communicate? And this, this, the message that they bring about um, reflect what they're doing. And I felt that the business world needed that. And I felt that Impact Investing was a space that had that resonated with me. So I worked on that, um, created the very first fund of funds to invest in uh, funds that were then um, seed, putting seed monies on companies that were committing not only to a financial return, but also in making a difference in the lives of uh, millions of people. And I thought that the area where the, the communities that mostly needed that type of investments were communities where women were underserved. That's where, when you don't have equality, when you don't have um, both genders side by side, you have poverty, you have violence, you have um, all kinds of social uh, conflicts. And um, that was the moment that I felt that I was ready for something else. By that time, my son was grown up and I was free to do something that would allow me to really give myself 100% to an organization. And that's when the promo hair came about. And I literally left everything and said, I'll take it and I'll do it. And it um, doesn't, doesn't matter how long it's going to take, we're going to be working towards getting every single woman in Latin America a place at the table. So that's how it came yes. about. <laughs> Sorry for the long Woo. answer. I love it. <laughs> no wonder you need to meditate. That is so much to think about. I feel that um, sometimes we, we tell, especially young women, that they have to be good in one thing and not take risks on other things. And, you know, when you go from being a linguist to take a master's degree in Spanish, medieval Spanish literature, you may not know what they're saying that Spanish and but you then learn how to learn and um, mm -hmm. somehow that helped me and then at one point I'm uh, most of my career was with um, say the good old boy network of uh, corporate America but I mm -hmm. uh, by that time I knew how to learn and I knew how to stand up to myself and I knew how to manage my my fear of getting into a new uh, space and I think that that's when i realized that meditation was important for me. It was uh, sometimes I just needed to find that internal or the inner strength that we all have. And we just have to yeah. maybe stop a little bit and find it where it is. And I think that um, it was important to, to, to find that in me early on. Otherwise, you end up thinking that you don't have that. But I think that every single woman out there has that. And we need to support yeah. them finding it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that in many, many parts of the world, what we would consider meditation is part of daily ritual and prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's more incorporated into daily life. It's more almost taken for granted in some parts of the world, right. which sure is not the way it is in most parts of the United States. Yeah. It's I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, and I, but sometimes it's also something I think that people think it's more than that. But I think it's just kind of letting yourself be. And that helps, right? It just, yeah. uh, it's, it's okay for you just to 
see yourself with the same amount of love that you would sometimes give to someone else and uh, maybe you, you have different standards for you and sometimes it's good to just to be just look at yourself from the outside and so it has helped me <laughs> yeah yeah most of my listeners um are young parents <clears throat> young mothers maybe women who are pregnant and i'm i strongly recommend to um this my listeners that if you haven't started meditating you've got children on the way just start now just start now <laughs> it's a it's a tool and a gift that you will use again and again and again. So if you haven't already started, there's two women on this podcast telling you right now, get on and that. And don't let, get on that. I think the one thing for me is don't let that whole idea of meditation intimidating you. Your meditation is yeah. your own and you make it what you need it to be. So I yeah. think that that's yeah. the, something too, because sometimes people feel like, oh, I cannot, I cannot. It's what too works hard. for you. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk more about Promo Hair. Um, I know that uh, the organization is celebrating a pretty significant anniversary. So, Can you? Yeah, 30 so years, right? Yes, so we're so excited. So Promo Hair started about 30 years ago. Um, two incredible, intrepid women, two uh, teachers, one Bolivian, one American, that together felt that they needed to do something in the outskirts of La Paz in a town called El Auto, um, given the fact that these women were the backbone of society but did not have support for themselves. And the, the organization started pretty, pretty much talking to women, having them get together in groups and supporting each other and find their own voice. And uh, from that, it moved on into saying, okay, what else can we do in terms of supporting these women that now have a sense of themselves and have a sense of their own self-worth and how do they move on? And uh, financial support was something that was very key for them. A lot of women in Latin America do not have uh, access to banks. Uh, the population that is bankerized uh, in Latin America is, is much smaller than it is in the U.S., but just very much like it is in the U.S., women are less, um, have less paths towards a financial uh, organization and being part of a bank or having their own s set of financial products. So, the organization started with microfinance. At that time, microfinance, about 30 years ago, microfinance was in this early stage of being a very big bet towards uh, the eradication of poverty. And we started working with women that at that time sometimes did not have a document with their name on or that have no, no collaterals or have never had anything in terms of a professional experience that they could bring down and say, okay, I can borrow against this uh, knowledge. We started lending money to women and we started supporting them with financial inclusion education as well. So it's not just providing the funding. It's not just providing them with the the, the money that they can borrow and then start working or uh, developing some kind of crafts or uh, open their own uh, restaurants or it's more than that is understanding to so them to understand 
how and where they can invest. What are the concepts related to finance that sometimes we take it for granted in some um, in some aspects of our lives that sometimes people don't necessarily understand? And how do we support women and we lend them money, but at the same time um, do not encourage them into over-indebtedness, for example, right? So there was part right. of that. So the education came hand in hand. And um, there was a type of methodology that, that Promoher really became extremely um, well-versed on, which is what they called communal banking. And that's a group of women that will then uh, vouch for each other. And together, they become a mini bank. So Promoher would put the fund in them and then among themselves, the women would make sure that um, the funds were distributed, that they were collected, the payments were collected, that they incentivated and make sure that all of them came into the training sessions and that they also share their stories, their learnings and their experiences among themselves. And 30 years later, we have um, disbursed over $3 billion in loans for women in Latin America. We have worked with, with literally millions of, um, of women. And along the way, we also saw that there was a need uh, for healthcare that needed to be addressed. And that is when a woman is selling something, let's say, tacos or empanadas uh, on the street, or that when, when she is uh, sometimes the, the person that it has, uh, a hard, has a small hardware store, or when she's, you know, tending to cows or not being at work, having to go somewhere to a doctor to take care of herself and to uh, uh, take care of her health, sometimes it's, um, it really uh, impacts their revenues. So a lot of them will postpone that to the last minute. And sometimes the ones, the, the ones that actually end up in a doctor is because of their children, not because of themselves. Um, women will always put their children ahead of, in their family ahead of themselves, most of them, well, most of the time. And we felt that it was yes. <laughs> uh, important for us to come up with a solution that was convenient and that was um, adequate in terms of uh, providing them with health care. So as they came to, to pay for their loans and as they came to get together for their meetings uh, on the financial side, we also made uh, available health education and clinics and uh, started having then some of, um, of their financial, financial programs somewhat connected with their health care and therefore they could address both needs at the same time. And throughout this process, we also felt that it was important to add education. So over 30 years later, we, not over 30, almost 30 years later, we have been working now in six countries in Latin America. Right now we have about 30, 300,000 women that we work with. Um, in average, these women have anywhere from three to four children. We work sometimes with entire generations that then in another generation, I recently met a family in Nicaragua in which I met the mother and then I met her daughters and I met the young babies. And, uh, and, and for me, what is transformative is to see that um, the mothers started with very little education and had someone that bet on their financial 
independency, but that the, the daughters are coming about with more education and looking into the financial independency, but with a different um, tool set. The toolkit is much more robust. So that's very um, transformative. And I'll, I'll tell you one story that touched me to the core is uh, sitting with a client, we a financial client we have in Argentina, who told me that she had to leave her house in the middle of the night because she found that her uh, daughter was being abused by her husband. And she literally said, you know, I put the promo hair shirt on um, as the first thing for my new life. And I didn't realize how literally she was talking about this because as they left, they left in, you know, in they didn't have shoes on and um and then she just waited outside a promo hair office one day and um someone gave her the promo hair shirt and she started mm-hmm. and she has been working with us for now um she's been our client for 10 years and I wanted to know how was the daughter and, but you know you always feel like how this how how what is this new generation going when you started with such a traumatic event in your life and uh, it, mm-hmm. the, the beauty for me and to, to this day it bring tears to my eyes is that she said well my daughter is fine my daughter is actually now a doctor and looking her uh, into becoming uh, to her grad degree in, in medicine and to me that's transformative and to the extent that we can do this not only to one family but to millions and millions of families in Latin America then we will see a different region we'll see a region where really women thrive and therefore we see um we see peace we see prosperity and we see uh, a different um uh space for the new generation to grow in a much more healthier and uh, and happier uh society boy i can sure i can sure tell you're in new york that's a very specific siren sound yes, <laughs> yes i apologize yeah. actually the window is closed but we always have a siren when they're worried I know it. It's actually a sound I like. It's a sound I like a little bit. So, you know, as you were talking about that, a couple of things came to mind. And that is that woman and her daughter, they just demonstrate the resilience of women, which is why it makes so much sense to invest, you know, development dollars and education and healthcare dollars into women because they are resilient and yeah, every woman has been through a whole lot of trauma and they get the job done of raising their families and getting on with their lives. But then the other thing that came to mind is something that I'm just always thinking about is what if, what would the world be like if women and parents weren't traumatized they were just plain supported and thriving. What would the world be like? What would our children be like? What would our own lives be like? What a difference that would be, you know? I think um, there's some research done on that. And um, there's a book, which is a fantastic book. It's very academic, tons of data. It's called Sex and World Peace. Mm-hmm. And Professor uh, Valerie Hudson has made had some incredible research with a few other um, academics that work with her on the potential contribution of women to society. And if we have equality, how much more uh, prosperity we will have. And that would literally lead to world peace. So the, the tenets of that, it really based on the fact that 
we need three things to make sure that women are seen hand in hand from a perspective of um, of uh, um, equality, right? The first mm-hmm. thing is uh, the perspective that uh, we need security. And when we look into security, look into all, there's about nine types of security. There's physical security, that um, there is uh, financial security, uh, health security. But, but security, women have to have that ability to be able to do something when they need to do something or when they want to do something. And a lot of us uh, are not allowed to do it. And sometimes people uh, we, people kind of question, is that really true? And, and, and we think it's from things that are small things into being able to walk late at night if you need to, to um, have a bank account or sometimes be able to vote. So that security is very much needed and we need to look into how can we ensure that that's that's, uh, being addressed. The second thing is the rule of law not only needs to be in place, it needs to be, uh, family law needs to be uh, equalitarian, but also has to be implemented in that way. And believe it or not, there's not one place. The World Bank le- uh, has an incredible research on this, and there's a there's not a one place in the world yet, not even in the Scandinavian countries, in which the uh, rule of law is actually equal. And by that, we think that anywhere from you know until the mid seventies in the U.S. We had situations in which marital rape was not considered a crime. So there's still a lot for us to go through. Latin America is even more. There is uh, all kinds of, uh, of laws that do not recognize women's rights. And then sometimes when the laws pass, they're not implemented. So that's another piece for us to work on, on this. But third is um, the need for women to be at the table in all types of decision-making forums. So anywhere from a PTA meeting to a uh, Congress to being police forces or military or a political position, because that way we will be more comfortable understanding how women think and how women collaborate. But the one beauty of this is that it's not one versus the other. It's women alongside men. And by by supporting women, we elevate everyone. We elevate all the men, right? And um, the other side of uh, of the of research that I think it's interesting as well, another aspect of it is when you invest on women, ninety percent of that investment is reinvested in family and community. So the impact is visible directly in that uh, society, and versus. 30%. That's the investment. When you invest in, in male business or in men, you see 30% going back into that community. So we see women as, uh, at Promohair, we see women as agent of change. And we feel that um, that's where we need to go for in terms of uh, those are the agents of change that we need to invest in to see the change that we wanted to bring about in Latin America and in the world as a whole. Yeah, I I I love mentioning that um that statistic or that analogy of how when you invest in women almost all of that investment goes back to society, community, family. When you invest- And there's so many times that that this 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 is not just one data point. It's like many there's a lot of research on that and I think that that's something that sometimes we don't realize that it's not just 
um, a perception is something that has been measured. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think another organization that I was working with uses the story that if, you know, a, an extra dollar comes into the house in some countries, the woman will take it down to the store and get, you know, milk and eggs and bread for the family mm -hmm. and the medicine that her kids need. The guy might go down to the store and buy a package of cigarettes. <laughs> Right, or something else, or not necessarily invest in that store next to him. Right, right. So that's the other piece. So yeah. it's it's very important to 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 see um, that the. So there is an ethical and there is a moral issue about supporting uh, women and supporting equality between the genders. But I think that there is something that is even more important, which is not only the economics of it, but um, the actual. Um, subsistence of our own humanity is how do we become better and how do we grow away from conflict is how do we become more prosperous how do we uh, progress as, as a race and that's looking into this equality as a way that is bringing both to the table as collaborative and as complementary versus then one versus the other so it's not in any way that is not supporting men or is not that is not um, um, against one the other it's the opposite is as we support women we su we elevate everyone and we elevate every single man that is on that community as yeah. well and very quickly those men and the boys in the community see the benefit of that how it benefits them as well as the community their mm -hmm. quality of life is better and then you know that is how public opinion gets changed, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's appreciation of one another too. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it can be easy to say, well, you know, they should have been doing this all along. We've all been enculturated to live certain ways. We all have societal norms and pressures that, you know, keeps us looking at life the same ways we always have. It isn't until you have another opportunity that you see things differently. It's true, uh, it, but it's also a thing that very human to aspire for more. And um, and as we we women support each other, then more women will be out there, and then more people will be used to have women out there, and then we will see, I believe, a bigger impact. So, uh, so it's this it's this comfort of saying, I can do it and I will do it. And and it's become then part of a larger group that just been one off here and there. So I think that it's important for us to, to see uh, and to validate and to bring in everyone on this, um, men and women, to support the young girls, to support this uh, this new generation, because that's how we get to where we want to be in terms of being a more generous and more um, content and in um, a more prosperous society. So I think that that's part of, a, of our dialogue. And, but being able to, to stand up and say, I, I, I have my own voice and, uh, and I need that support, I think it's key for all of us to say, hey, not only the person that, that person that young girls has the right to but from my perspective i have the obligation to support her and that's i think that um, what uh, promo tries to do is okay. identifying what are the things that women need 
um, that uh, to make their own path towards empowerment easier and will then try to smooth the road and they walk the road that they want to that's it's such a powerful approach you know and if if a woman is brave enough to actually ask for help she's probably going to be pretty specific about the kind of help she needs and wants and if there's an organization that can hear that and say yeah we're going to help you do that that's what empowerment is about right and it's a, it's it's about uh listening to them and being able to uh, deliver what they need at the right time. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, also anticipating other obstacles that will come as they get to the next level. So we today, as we get to be 30 years old and we're celebrating, we're looking into what's next. So we see, for example, the need to, to bridge the digital divide um, and uh, to see the, the need to anticipate some ways that women can leapfrog their careers. Uh, and we see, for example, that beyond financial inclusion and financial services and healthcare, we are now looking into what is the next 30 years of Promoher looks like. And, um, and we feel that, for example, digital literacy, it's a tool that would allow young women to Leaving even out the 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 um, playing field with uh, with a lot of other careers. So a lot of women, uh, young girls, are not necessarily getting into the STEM fields, right? Science, uh, uh, the technology, math, and uh, engineering. And it's sometimes because the very early stage they're not expected or they're not exposed to it so how do what do we do at this level and also for those who are already in their teens in their early 20s how do we allow them on new tools that they can then uh, catapult into better uh, um, better jobs and better opportunities for themselves so that's something that promoter is looking at and then how do we also look into for example uh, allowing for connectivity so sometimes we feel that it's important for women to have access to a smartphone or a cell phone. And it the the appliance itself is not going to be expensive. You know, the Moore's Law technology will, uh, will uh, the, the cost will be cut in half in less than a year. Uh, but, but it's more about the, uh, the, the, the connectivity and being able to have access to all kinds of information. So what is it that what is the role of Promoher on opening those spaces that perhaps are more on the digital space now? How do we communicate in a long in in, in a uh, in a social media with a group of women in which then then they can then uh, identify their own voice and communicate what they need so we can be much more uh, proactive. So these are what we're looking at as we celebrate 30 years in Latin America is very much looking into becoming this very large-scale platform that will be then a space to, to provide women in Latin America as well as those that were want to work with women in Latin America a avenue for them to identify and get the best tools, the best resources, the best services. Um, and that is also something that is based about based on where they are within 
their life life cycle, right? Well, a woman who's 20 years old needs one type of financial services than a woman who's 70 years old. And the same thing is with healthcare. So how do we, over the next 30 years, go from... Uh, get go from becoming to transform ourselves from becoming from from being a organization that provided health uh, healthcare and financial uh, services as well as education into becoming this larger scale platform for all types of women in throughout the entire life cycle. So this is the challenge that Promoher has now, and we're very excited because it's something that demands us to be very close to women in Latin America so we can hear what they need and then we can then provide what is relevant for them rather than than what we know what to do but perhaps they don't need it they don't feel that it's what they um, they need to support them on the road towards full empowerment so this is a very exciting moment for, <coughs> for us it's looking back into 30 years and at the same time looking to okay what we're going to become in the next 30 years and how do we set uh, the right infrastructure right now so we can, we get there. And in this commitment that at the end of the day, it's about understanding the the need for a better society and the need for us to to really just help one another, right? So it's, yeah. it's part of this, uh, this which commitment. Which is what women do, which is what mm-hmm. women do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how I see that, again, the 90% of your investment goes right back into that community. And then as community goes stronger, then countries go stronger and therefore they are less prone to violence and to uh, conflict. So all of that is part of this. It, it, it goes beyond just the, the moral issues. It goes into in, in looking into a, something that is very concrete in our lives, right, from a perspective of economic development. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I only get to talk to you for a few more minutes and I've got okay. so many more questions. So let's do some rapid fire because there's stuff okay. I, I want to make sure that we cover. And then since I know we have so much more to talk about, we're going to get you back for another episode down the road. Thank but, you. Yeah. So this episode is going to air right before International Day of the Women, which is Mar- March 8th. It happens every year. And mm-hmm. it's a day where you know the world celebrates women's accomplishments and contributions. And um, in some countries, it's almost as big a deal as Mother's Day or Valentine's Day. But Mm -hmm. here in the U.S., it has primarily come to mean a day when nonprofit organizations and humanitarian organizations that work with women and girls can kind of give themselves and each other a shout out. So Mm -hmm. a couple of questions. How significant is International Day of the Women in the countries where Promuher works? And um, what does Promuher have planned? So the in Latin America, actually, uh, International Women's Day is becoming more and more uh, prominent. In some countries, it's actually almost a, a, a mini holiday. And there is a lot of attention towards that. And I think that this is more than ever very important for Latin America, especially in a, on, in a region that... Uh, domestic violence and gender-based violence has become such a pandemic issue. More than ever, women in Latin America need not only to see, it's not about a day, but it's about a day that we recognize that every single day it's Women's Day. So yeah. I, uh, it's very important in Latin America. Uh, and Promoher is, is we're very eager and very um, uh, 
uh, uh, every year we're very enthusiastic about part of this. And one of our campaigns this year is a campaign about how powerful we are as women together. Mm -hmm. So we have something uh, called hashtag Somos Poderosa. So we are powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the campaign that we want to um, bring about this year, which is a way of bringing this message to every person in Latin America in terms of the the, the power that a community um, can get by treating and elevating their women. So we're very excited about it. Uh, it is also something that a lot of the time we're part of, uh, of movements. We are always supporting the march for for women and a lot of these marches happen on uh, on or around um international women day in latin america so we're very active on this and this is the year that our um our uh, uh hashtag will be uh, about us being powerful so it's hashtag we are powerful or hashtag somos poderos and um and then we're also very excited because we're launching our participation as a co-host of Women Deliver. Women Deliver is uh, the largest uh, conference and uh, convening of women uh, associations. It happens every other two or three years. Uh, this year is going to be in Vancouver in, in Canada in beginning of June. We're very excited because we're part of... Um, uh, of becoming, I would say, the what I call the Latin American pavilion. And Latin America sometimes does not participate internationally in some of these events in, long, in big scale. And we want to pave the way to all the organizations that support women in Latin America to come and share their stories in, um, in, in, in Vancouver. But the Women's International Women's Day for us, the Dia Internacional de las Mujeres para las Latinas, is a very important day. Uh, it's about us sharing our stories. And uh, we will be launching a whole set of, uh, of uh, programs and, uh, in which we have women that we work with sharing their stories and showing how powerful they are and, uh, and where they can find their, that aspiration and that inspiration within themselves and in other women so they can actually show that they, they do have that power out there and it's inside, it comes from within and we want to support them with telling that story. So it's about storytelling for us this year on how powerful women can be. I love that. I love that. And this year, you know, 2018, 2019, this is the year to do that, you know. Yes. That's, yeah. More than ever. Yeah. More than yeah. ever. Yeah. This is our time and we yeah. are taking hold of it. Well, before I ask you my last two closing questions, what else do you want listeners to know about Promo Hair? Where can they find out more information? So our listeners can come to promohair.org. So that's P-R-O-M-U-J-E-R.org. That means for women. Uh, we have a very strong presence on social media and we need your support. We need your support from a perspective of opening doors or sharing stories. We, of course, need your, your uh, financial support. So please donate. We have um, a lot of volunteers that work with us. And uh, but most important, we need the collective presence of women working to support each other. So please come over and uh, check us out at promohair.org. That's P-O-R-M-U-J-E-R.org. 
And let me just give one more plug that, yes, volunteers, yes, social media, yes, um, go and get yourself educated, but please also donate, donate, donate. That's what organizations seriously need. They need the money to get the job done right. And we need to expand. So uh, we wanted to get to, we want to get to more countries in Latin America and we've think that we need to get to millions of women, even though today we work with 300,000 of them, we need to get to millions and millions of them. So we need your funds for that. Thank you. It's going to happen. Okay. So my last two questions are these. First of all, how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Okay. With that, I would change a little bit. And I'm going to say nobody that I cared for ever told me that I could not do what I put my mind into it. Mm-hmm. And that helped me shape me, shape my mind and shape my my way of being and saying on taking risks and being able to do things. And if I, if I, the people that I really cared for didn't say, you cannot do it, I felt that I was able to do it. And if I made a mistake, I would get up, brush my knees off and then start again. So that was very important for me. Uh, and I, wanted to take a minute to thank all the people that had said, if you want to put your mind through it, you can do it. So no one ever told me that I could not do it. So I was very helpful for that. (laughs) That's a good answer. So then my last question is this, where are you in the world of motherhood? Mm. I have a son who is uh, going to be 30 years old this year. So it's an incredible opportunity for us to see. I have a uh, I'm so humbled to see, uh, I, well, I still see him as a young boy, but of course he's not a young man anymore, but it's a, uh, a young man that, that is very keen on, on equality, on supporting, on supporting women, on, um, on being part of a community. And to me, it's very humble to see that. And, uh, just between us, I'm so ready for grandchildren, but mm-hmm. I don't think he is yet. So I'm I'm ready for that. And, that, and, and I was very um, I was I was a mom very early in my life, and um, I I was just really very very lucky to be uh, to have an incredible son. But I have lots of gut children, so mm-hmm. I I'm also very excited about that. And um, I see each one of them as a potential light in this world. So I work with that very carefully. Lovely. Lovely. Well, Maria, it has been a pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast and there's just so much more I want to talk about and so many more stories that I want to tell. So we're going to do this again down the road. Thank you, Tini. It was a pleasure. And I, I thank you so much for having such a, it's a informal heart to heart conversation about things that matter to women and, and for all those women out there. Thank you. Thank you for all the work you do and for all the support um, and for the uh, gentlemen out there as well, because we wouldn't be here if it's not for one of us, one another supporting each other. So oh. thank you, Jeannie, for this. This is an incredible opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. Okay, we'll talk again. Thank you. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. That's it for this week, everybody. We want to say thanks to our sponsor, Birdsong Botanicals, for helping us keep the lights on here at Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. Check out Let There Be Milk Tincture and Supplements over at birdsongbotanicals.com. And don't forget to use the promo code COMMONSENSE at checkout for your 10% discount. 
You can learn more about this week's guest, Maria Cavacante, over at promuhair.org. You can learn more about me over at genefaulkner.com and email me at genefaulkner. Uh, that's gene at genefaulkner.com. Want me to spell it? J-E-A-N-N-E-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. Tweet me at Gene Faulkner. Find us over on Instagram and Facebook. And please, oh, please pick up a copy of the book, will ya? It's Common Sense Pregnancy, and it's available everywhere books are sold. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Let's talk again next week, everybody. Bye-bye. If you're looking for easy ways to feed your family, I've got you covered. Hi, this is Liz Weiss, dietitian, mom, cookbook author, and host of the Liz's Healthy Table podcast. Tune in for healthy recipes, expert advice, and a big helping of fun. Come find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Parents on Demand Network, or over at my website, Liz's Healthy Table.com. <laughs>